Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Okay, guys, um, we're going to go ahead and start. We don't have as big a crowd as we sometimes do, but at least uh, we'll get started. And uh, welcome to Carla and to Moosey. They just came in. And uh, hey, Gary, I have a yeah. question. Okay. Um, would you explain again what carpe diem means, not seize the day? You said it meant more than that. Yes, I will. It means actually pluck. It's almost like oh. pluck the day, like grab the day and make the most of it. Almost like you would pluck a flower. Thank you. Uh, I couldn't remember. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, so it does mean seize, but it means seize in the sense of enjoy. Some people take it when they hear that phrase, they say, yeah, just do whatever you, you know, enjoy yourself, eat, drink, and be merry. But it really means make the most of it that you can, okay. getting the most out of it that you can. Thank you. Uh, so that's that's what it means. And then the, the, the whole phrase, you know, the carpe diem is part of a phrase. The whole phrase is seize the day, trusting as little as possible in the future. Oh. Meaning make the most of the day, but don't trust very much in anything after that day that you've just seized because you don't have any way of controlling. So oh, okay. seize the day, trusting as little as possible in the future. There hmm. we go. I'm glad I asked. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad. You, I'm glad you did too. So that's good. All right. So it's a good phrase anyway. Um, and we, I was going to go over these phrases we had from last week just to go over them. In, in umbra igator pugnabimus. In umbra igator pugnabimus. That went right along with our reading, remember? Then we shall fight in the shade. Uh, remember the guy, uh, the, the soldier taunts uh, one, of the, one, of the, one of the Spartans, the uh, Persian soldiers taunts him and says, There's so, we're so many of us, you're not even going to see the sky for all of our arrows. And I guess they expect him to be afraid. And instead he just says, okay, then we'll fight in the shade. And that's very typical of the Spartans, of the way they are. That's the word laconic in English means you just say what you have to say and you shut up. And that's the way the Spartans were. Uh, so laconic comes from that word for Spartans. And then in, in utero, we have a phrase that we use see today a lot, in the womb, in utero, and in vitro, in glass, meaning in a test tube. And those are all phrases you might see on your, on your nightly news. Labor omnia winket, hard work conquers all. And we said we're going to put that up in our classrooms probably, uh, although our students won't listen to it. Magnum opus means a great work that is a masterpiece. Uh, and that's a good little phrase because it shows you that opus, even though it ends in U.S., is a neuter noun. So a great work. That's why we say magnum opus. Uh, Nil sine magno vita labore dedit mortalibus, meaning life has given nothing to mortals without great labor. And I said that's a wonderful phrase, but the, the funny thing about that phrase is the guy that says it is really trying to get something for nothing. He's working real hard to get something for nothing. So he's right. Work does conquer everything, even, even though you're working to get on easy street. So uh, it's, it's kind, of a, kind of a funny phrase. Now, last week, we talked about the future tense of third and third IO and fourth conjugations. And you may remember that instead of doing bo bis bit, be must be this bunt, like we do for first and second, we do A M E S E T E M U S E T I S E N T to make the future. And we said that it's going to cause some conflicts. That's going to cause some confusion because when you see E T now, E T I S or E T or E M U S or E S, you're going to say, is that future of a third conjugation verb or is that present of a second conjugation verb? And so just to practice it, I gave you exercise A. And so if you have your notes, we're going to look at exercise A. This is still from lesson. This is um, the top of the page. We have exercises at the bottom and exercise. This is the top of the page. So is creditis present or future? C-R-E-D-E-T-I-S. Is it present or future? And how do we know? It's future. 
It is future. How can you tell? So it means you will believe. How can you tell it's future? Because the ending, if it were present, it would be um, just ES. No, no, it could be no. present. It could be future and be cray days. Then it would be you singular will believe. Now, the way you tell, if I gave you this exercise out of nothing, out of nowhere, there's no way you could tell unless you had a good dictionary with you. But since I gave you a big verb list, it shows you what conjugation credo belongs to, and it shows you that it's credo crater, a third conjugation. So when you see ES or ETIS in third conjugation, you can tell that's future. Whereas if it were second conjugation, then it would be present. So number two, do case, is that present or future? D-O-C-E-S. Yes, because do care is second conjugation. D-O-C long E-R-E, second conjugation. All right, what about what about curet? C-U-R-R-E-T. Present. Okay. Everybody agree? Yes, that's present. No, it's future. <laughs> <laughs> Kuro it's, it's oh, third yes, conjugation. Yes, it's third conjugation. So it's yeah, so it's future. So it's future. Okay, what about Ducamus? D-U-C-E-M-U-S. I thought it was present, but my thing didn't save my... What's the principal parts? Duco, ducere? Duxi, ductus. Duxi. But you don't have to know that for this. You don't have to know the third principal part for this. All you have to know is the second principal part. Um, and, and what is the second principal part? Ducere. Ducere. Which is short E-R-E, so it's what conjugation? Second. Not short E R E. Remember, first conjugation has A R E. Second conjugation has long E R E. Third conjugation has E R E. Remember that? Yeah, that's right. So it's second conjugation that has long E R E. Okay. So therefore, this is third conjugation. Therefore, it's future. Oh, it's future. Okay. This we is will leave. There's a there's another way you can do it that's even shorter that will work ninety five times out of a hundred. That is, look at the beginning of the verb. Look at the. Uh, First principal part, and if it's O, it's third conjugation. If it's E-O, it's second conjugation. That's a real quick way to do it, even if you don't feel like looking at the infinitive. So it's duco, not duchio. Yeah. All right, what about habent? H-A-B-E-N-T. Future. Everybody agree? <laughs> what's the, what's the ver what verb does habent come from? Habio. Yep, does habio. that have E-O? Does that have E-O? Yes. Then it's second. Then it's present. That's present. Oh. See? Present. Oh. All right. What about ponent? P-O-N-E-N-T. Ponent. Pono. Ponere. Poneo. Is it Poneo or Pona? Pono. Okay. So therefore, oh, no. what, oh, that's right. what conjugation? Future. That's future. Therefore, it's future. He will place. Or they, they they will place. Okay, almost done. Monet. M-A-N-E-T. Monio. Monsi. Second conjugation. Okay, so E-T would be? Um, Everybody's afraid to say. Yeah. <laughs> Because my students said, Mr. LeGates is so mean. He's scared. <laughs> <laughs> Manio Maneri. Okay. okay, so that's second conjugation. So if you have ET in a second conjugation verb, is that present or future? Second conjugation. Future. No. Nope. No. Present. No. Bobis no. bit is future for second conjugation, remember. We'll keep on this. Don't worry. We'll keep uh -huh. on this. More debt. M-O-R-D-E-T. What conjugation is this verb? What, what's, the, what's the first person singular? Mordo. Nope. Mordeo. 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 So it's E-O. It's E-O. Okay. So what conjugation that's is? Second. That's right. So E-T sure. on a second conjugation verb is? Sure. Present. Yep, present. Okay. Petet, petes, P-E-T-E-S. Almost done. 
third. Yep, third, because peto petere. So petes. And the last one, moes. Second. Yep, fourth conjugate. Second. Second. Because it's EO. So then it's present tense. Present tense then. All right. We're not going to let that go. We'll do it again another week. We'll, we'll um, keep going on You this. know, there's something that's always confused me. And that's What's that? Things like mordeo. Um, mm-hmm. uh, some of these add an extra syllable. And I, I'm trying to. In the third to, principle part? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's called reduplication. And they do it. And I'll tell you why they do it. They do it to imitate Greek. Because in Greek, the perfect tense reduplicates. Like if you take the verb in Greek, powo, meaning to stop, the perfect tense is pepalka. So it's a Greekism, and some Latin verbs do it. Like kuro, kurore, kukuri, pelo, pelore, pepeli, tongo, tongare, tetagi. Yes, um, I've always wondered. Mordeo, mordere, mamordi. Yeah, mamordi. I was going over that, and I also went back to my linguistic Latin notes, and nobody gave us a fair explanation of that. So. I don't know that that's true, Carla, because I didn't take that course, but I think it's because of the Greek. Because in Greek, almost every perfect tense reduplicates like that. Uh, almost every one of them do. But at least you can be thankful of one thing. In Latin, you have four principal parts. In Greek, we have six principal parts. So you can be thankful. We only have to do four. So that Although, makes it a little You know what? Those, um, those principal parts, if you take them seriously, they do give you guidance. They help you. Yeah, well, they do in English, too. Yes. They I really mean, do. Language. They give you sure. guidance. They do. They're a quick way of getting guidance without, you know. You really learn them. Some of the newer textbooks steer a little bit away from them. They say, oh, just learn. Perfect tense can, can look like this. It can have an X. It can have an S. It can have a blah, blah, blah. And, but I still think the principal parts help you have something to lean on, you know, to, to, to know that, that yeah. can help you, really. Some of them so. just give you the infinitives, not the first person, yeah. and expect yeah. you to, you know. Um, and if you're just doing an exploratory course, fine. But I mean, if you're being serious and you're going on and trying to learn all the verbs and all the forms, you should have those principal yeah. parts. Some textbooks now teach you all four principal parts from the very first vocabulary. Now, I don't personally do that because I think it's confusing. But I do think fairly soon somewhere you got to get them, you know, fairly soon you got to. But they're not that hard if you say them, if you say them to yourself, you know. Then you can remember them. Duco, ducere, duxi, ductus. Moneo, monere, monui, monitus, or whatever. Uh-huh. All right, we have some weird. About one other thing in the presentation, mm-hmm. you um, you know, you just you didn't include them for the first conjugation verbs, unless there was a um, an exception like um, right, lawo, la, laware, and that could be uh, latus or lotus. Yep. That's only because in a real Latin dictionary, a lot of times, if you look a first conjugation verb up, they will say, amo, number one. And that just means amo, amare, amawi, amatus. And so since they did it, I did it. It's just a short way to tell you that it's a perfectly regular verb and we're not going to list all of them out. Yeah, but I, I like the number one, the number two, and the number three. In an ideal world, the Latin, Latin book would give you the principal parts and the number. Be good night. Well, no, that's, that's probably true. But then you'd get lazy and you wouldn't try to learn long ERE is second, short ERE is third. No, you wouldn't. But if you were just looking something up real quickly, yeah. you had a new verb. Yeah, I don't know. In a, I haven't seen too many real Latin dictionaries. You know, I mean, I've seen the ones that are in the back of the Latin books. And so, and I have a uh, Cassell's Latin dictionary and I have another one that the printing house used to put out, but I think they just put the principal parts. I don't, th- another thing they do in dictionaries that might throw, and Moosey, you might've been thrown by this because I think your Latin book did this that you learned from. Some Latin books, instead of using the U.S. on the fourth principal part, they put the, they put U.M. And that can be a little confusing. I like U.S. because that shows you it's like an adjective and it can agree. But some textbooks like the most of the dictionaries put U.M. instead of U.S., uh, which I don't know. That was the old way, I think, really. It means it doesn't make much difference, but it does make a little difference. 
All right, let's look at number one, B. Ducam te ad amicum meum cross. Amicus te ad uare poteri. What does that say? What does cross mean? That's a good word. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. That's where you get from cross. Procrastinate. Yep, procrastinate. To put off till tomorrow. Okay, so what? Ducam te ad amicum meum cross. I would lead you to my house, to my dinner. No, I would lead you to my friend. <laughs> to my friend tomorrow, okay? <laughs> cross, guy, uh, cross, uh, where am I here? Amicus te aduare poterit. My friend will be able to advise you. My friend will be able to advise you, to help you, yes. Yeah. All right, number two. Quid ages cross Marcia? Cross Gaio Nubam. This is the characters from our story we've been talking about. So someone asks this person, cross ages, um, quid ages cross Marcia? What will you do tomorrow, Marcia? What will you do tomorrow, Marcia? And she says, tomorrow, what? I'm going to marry Gaius. I will marry Gaius. Yep. By the way, there are two words to marry. You know, in English, we say, I think this is fascinating about foreign languages because it's just interesting how you express it. In English, we say, I'm going to marry, I'm going to marry, I'm going to marry. Doesn't matter if you're a guy marrying a girl, a girl marrying a guy. But in Latin, if you're a girl marrying a guy, you use the word for, I'm going to take the veil for. And whoever you're marrying will be in the dative case. I'm taking the veil for Gaius. If you're a guy, Marrying a girl, you say, I'm going to lead her into matrimony. Hmm. So it's a whole different way. It's a whole different word. Uh, All right. Three, cross. Uh, Nuvo, does this, is this where you get nuptial? Indirectly, yes. Because the fourth principal part is nuptus. And uh, yes. And uh, a nuptia is, I think, a word for, the, for a wedding. Nuptiae. Nuptials. Yeah. So you're right. Quid facies, ubi, pecuniam, known habes. We're all asking this very question right now. What will you do when you have no money? Yep. What will you do when you have no money? Right. <laughs> and notice that facies is future, habes is present. So there we go. Frater meus vitam in patria, semper aget. Frater meus semper vitam in patria aget. My brother always um, mm -hmm. in life, um, yeah, well, in, in country, in, yeah, in patria. Dude, I, I, I had trouble with why. Aget in this case. We'll live. Agare witam means to live life. So oh, my agar. brother will always live his life in the in this in that country or in this country or in that country. Hmm. And that, that also could mean it probably means in a country, like a foreign country. Probably if they wanted to say in the country as opposed to the city, they would use in rure. But uh, but if you say in the country, would accept that. All right, five. Numquam periculum sine periculo wincamus. Here's a good one for television. <laughs> What's periculum mean? Um, danger. 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 Without danger. Um, so um, we won't conquer danger without danger. Yep. We will never conquer danger without danger. You know, you picture a situation, you get into a dangerous situation, you might have to do something dangerous to get out of it. That's what it's trying to say. So the numquam is, is never verb, but it looks like it's a compound. Yep. It's a compound. I well, and it's interesting because I think nunca in Spanish comes right yes. from this. Uh, numquam. I don't know. Well, num is like a negative word we use in questions, and quam is like all kind of things. It can mean almost anything. So, yeah, it probably is a compound of those words, but I can't really take it apart for you very well. 
if we looked in the Lewis and Short Dictionary, I'm sure they would tell you the exact derivatives of it and so forth. All right, six. Homines dum docent discunt. Uh, men, while they teach, they learn. That's it. Okay. That's a, a quote from Seneca. So that's a real Latin quote. All right. Aldiace name Domine te amabo. Clamat servus. Certe stote te audiam said no li mentire. This is a little dialogue like you might see in a Latin play. The servant says to the master, what? Aldiace name Domine? Do you hear me? Yeah. Will you hear me, Master? Yes. Te amabo. I will love you. I will love you. And that really means? Um, please. Please. Here, yes. will you hear me, Master? Please. Cla shouts the slave. The Master says, Certe stolte te aldeum. That is a command, isn't it? No. You're looking at no. stolte? No, it means certainly stupid. Certainly stupid, I'll hear you. He doesn't like Wait, this guy. Wait, yeah, te audium, yes. Certainly stupid, I'll hear you, but don't lie. No le mentire, dicit dominus, said the master. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and that mentire, you know, in Latin or in Spanish, we have mentira. Menti what is it, mentire? Yeah. Mentira. Mentira. Oh, okay. Well, that's the same word. That's what is it in French? It's montier, isn't it? Yeah, montier. And it's one of those verbs like choisir and sortir. Yeah. All right. Homines doom. You know what? I repeated this sentence. Yeah. yeah. I did. Homines. Your teacher had a, uh, a nod. A, a uh oh, nod. I didn't catch that. I didn't either. All right. Number nine. nine. Ratio made duquette, known for tuna. Uh, uh, rash. Uh, well, rational thought leads me, not luck. Right. Something rational like thought, reason will lead me, not luck. Oh, will, will lead me. Future. future. All right. Here's one from Virgil that I think we talked about once. And, um, and William, have, William, I'm sorry. Oh, um, L, okay. Lee, Livy. Oh, that's a man's name. That's the guy that writes the history of Rome, the early history of Rome that we've been talking about. That's him. Titus Livius, his name is. Okay, I just wanted to clarify that before yep. we move on. All right. Out out Fakiam. I think this is a quote from Virgil. What does this say? It's got a future in it. I will either make a way or I'll find one. Find a way. Yep. Yeah, we have its way, and that would be in the accusative. Right. And, and what's confusing is um, if you were a poor Latin student, you might think faciam is some sort of, and that's your verb, but you might yep, see the, yep, the AM. Yep, and, yep. yep. Um, well, I was a good Latin student, but I got confused once by the sentence in Horace, tene relinquam on rem. I saw that tene and I thought, well, that's an imperative. Hold on to a thing or a something. I couldn't figure out what it meant. Turned out, tene was te, you, nay, a question mark. Relinquam, future tense, will I, will I leave you on rem or my case? In other words, the idea is I'm supposed to go to court right now, but I don't want to leave you. Will I, will I lose you or will I leave you or will I leave my case? But I was totally confused about that. So even good Latin students have these troubles sometimes. So is that out um, here like um, either or sort of? Is it a pair? Yeah. It, and and that's how those go together. Yeah. So it's out and when out fakiam and we is understood as the object of the second verb. So it's understood as out and when we out fakiam we See, in, in Spanish, you have e e and ni ni, you know, e, you know, mm -hmm. and and then neither nor, and then you you know they're pairs, and then you 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 know you put one you know. I bet you have out uh, in. I bet you in Spanish you have either or too. Yeah, either or. Yeah. Which would be what you said. Uh, you know, because in Latin it's et et out out or neck way neck way. Yeah. So. And in Spanish or French, I guess you could do the same thing. You can do mm, what is it? Uh, 
Mm, I'm having a, I'm having a, a mental block here. New, French more what is Spanish? Than what than is uh, French for neither? And I can't think. Ni, I guess it is. Yeah, ni. Il non trouve ni chou ni pomme de terre. They don't find either cabbages or potatoes. That was one of our basic sentences. Il non trouve ni chou ni pomme de terre. And so is this something, um, I think this is something that's common of the Romance languages. I think it is. Italian has a similar construction. I think, I think it is. I think it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, I, I don't know. It doesn't seem as visible in English, but we do it. Yeah, I think you're right. We do it, but we don't maybe think about it. All right, we have some new phrases here. Nula tenaki and wenia est wea. I like that one. For the tenacious, no road is impassable. Nula tenaki. In we are, est we are. That's kind of a cool little phrase. It has a little jingle to it. Uh, and here's a little little uh, two, three-word phrase. Panem et kirkenses. You've all heard this phrase. Bread and circuses. It's used when you talk, when people talk about welfare. And they'll say, all these people want is panem et kirkenses. And that's exactly what they said about the Roman, the common people in Rome. They said all they cared about was food and games. And if they had games and food, they didn't care about anything else. And you still hear that expression today, that pawn in that says. Now, this next one is a real good phrase. Pecunia si utiscis. Am I still on? Yeah. Can you all? Okay. Pecunia si utiscis ankila est sinescis domina. If you know how to use money. Money is your slave. If you don't, money is your mistress. Mm-hmm. And the word for slave means a female slave. So if you know how to use money, it's your mistress. I mean, if it's your it's your mistress, but if you don't know how to use it, it's your slave. I kind of like that little. By the way, you might wonder why is pecunia in the ablative case? Because that verb takes the ablative. Uti. It's fem is Pecunium, is that feminine? Yes. Okay. Yes, it is. Uh, per angu- Here's a kind of a nice little jingle, too. Per angusta ad augusta. Per angusta ad augusta. Through difficulties to greatness. Can we go back to the money one for a second? Yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. Um, uti. Um, is what, wouldn't there, shouldn't there be an infinitive? Okay, that's good, Carla. That is actually an infinitive. It's a passive infinitive because this is what's called a deponent verb. And deponent verbs are passive in form and active in meaning. And uti is third conjugation passive infinitive. So it is an infinitive, but you don't know that yet. Yeah, we know. So very good on your part. You knew what you were trying to expect. And you didn't know what uti is. So if you know how to use, uti means to use. Yeah, very good. Very good. So if you know how to use, and that, that's, yep. but that's I what don't see where that is being passive. Because if, well, it's not. It's not. Using. Deponent verbs are verbs that are that are active in that are passive in form. In other words, the form of them will be passive, but they're active in meaning. So they look passive but they're really active. So what are well, the principal parts of that verb? And of that verb? Utor, uti, usasum. See, it's a totally different kind of verb. You don't know anything about these kinds. Well, I mean, you may, because you, you may have taken Latin at some point, but, did, but, but, would, but in our class, we haven't even touched yeah, passive voice, which I do intend to touch in a couple of weeks. And this is where we get the utility. You know, You're exactly correct. And, uh, You're exactly correct. Utilitarian, utility. Uh, I guess that's util in Spanish, useful. Util. Okay, and uti. What is it? Yeah. Uh, well, I guess in French, util is unuseful. Mm-hmm. That's right. The, the no is where we get science. Right. Yes, skio. Right. Yeah. Okay. I give you a little review of the perfect tense because in this lesson, the main thing I teach you is the pluperfect tense. Uh, pluperfect tense in Spanish, that's called the plusquamperfecto, right? 
And in French, it's called the plus que parfait. Plus que parfait it yeah. means the plus perfect. It's as far back in the past as you can go. And it's always translated had. I had done something. And it's talking about something you did before something else in the past, which is why they call it plus perfect, more plus perfect, back further in the past than the perfect. So you could say, I had already arrived when you came. So when you got there, I was already there. So it's called the mm -hmm. plus perfect tense. It's very easy in Latin. All you do is take your third principal part, drop, drop the I off of it, and add eram, eras, erat, eramus, eratis, erant. And that's all there is to it. And I give you some exercises here, and we can do them for next week. Uh, and we practice changing verbs to this tense. And then we have something a little new, writing the synopsis of a verb. You simply take, we've done this before, but you simply take a verb and put it in all of its persons. Uh, I mean, I mean, put it in all of its tenses in a per particular person. So if you wanted to do the English word love, you would say he loves, he loved, he will love, he has loved, he had loved. And it's just a good way to practice your tense, tenses. So I'll give you a couple of them to do. Then I give you some sentences to do. And then we have some readings in this sentence. We have one romantic reading and two jokes, two that are kind of funny. And uh, you can figure out uh, which is which. If you read one and feel real romantic, you probably it's the romantic one. If you read one and laugh, it's probably the joke. And if you read one and cry, it probably means you didn't understand. <laughs> so uh, that's it. So that's what you can do for next week. I wanted to sing our songs, and then I want to talk about the rape of the Sabines. Our songs are all the way at the end of the lesson, and we're going to sing for He's a Jolly Good Fellow, first of all, which is funny because it's such an English song. Uh, it's such an English song. Uh, we're going to sing it as a, for the guys first. Namile es bonus amicus. Remember that from last week? Let's see if we can sing it. Namile es bonus amicus, ille es bonus amicus, ille es bonus amicus. Quod nemo neget neget, quod nemo neget neget, quod nemo neget neget. Namile es bonus amicus. Quod nemo neget neget. I used to like to do that. The kids never knew how long I was going to hold that for. So. Well, that's real good. Am I still on? Yeah, you're on. Okay, because I got this note press something to return to meeting control. So I don't know what that's about. Anyway, and it's singing for the girls for she's a jolly good fellow. Hey, could you do the, the man, the boy again? I just found it. Yeah, and yeah. yeah. Okay, here we go. About one of the no, is bonus amicus. Is bonus amicus. Is bonus amicus. Good name on get get. Good name on a get naget. Good name on a get naget. No meleas bonus amicus. Good name on a get naget. Okay, and then for the girls. No mela es bona amica. Ila es bona amica. Ila es bona amica. Good name on a get naget. Good name on a get naget. Good name on a get naget. No mela es bona amica. Uh, and you can do all kind of stuff with that, Carl. You can hold it as long as you want. You can come in real fast and surprise the kids. You can have, you know, kind of fun with that, with that song if you taught it. All right. Kesarasara. By the way, that's going to be on karaoke one of these days. Uh, that's going to be on karaoke. I don't know exactly when, but you could do it this week. No, it's not this week. It's when they do international. No, you could do it this week. Well, no, it, uh, Cindy and I decided it's going to be on international night whenever they're doing that. I don't worry about that. I just do it. That's going to be the Well, she's got the recording, so she can put it on whenever she wants. I told her. Anyway, uh, Ninet and I played it on her using the Omnicord and on, so it's it's a better recording than what we got here. But anyway, here we go. And you're reading, you're doing something that's never been done before. I don't think any Latin class in the country has done this because I just translated it. So, okay, here we go. Uh, wait a minute, here we go. Ubi eram puelula matrim rogabam de postero ero ne pokra outi ways 
Is the Puelula sort of the diminutive? Yeah, a little, Excuse little me, girl. Boss, yes. it's 20 of. Thank you very much, Holly. I appreciate that. Yes, like Puelula little, means a little girl. Yeah, Puelula, just, just like that uh, little uh, mistress or that little, That's what right. was it, that Ila, uh, what was it? I, I, I was going to go back, the one with the money again. Yes, yes, Ankila. Uh, Ankila means like yeah, a little okay. maid. Yeah, so whenever you see that, and when we did Catullus, remember we saw O'Kelly, her dear little eyes. So whenever you put that diminutive on there, it just means a little. And you get it in English all the time with corpuscles. Like a corpuscle is a what? A little body, a little mm-hmm. vessel that carries blood, right? A globule. A globule is a globula, a little tiny globe, a little tiny drop. And you gave my Sparky a Latin name, Scintilla. Scintilla, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, now, is your Sparky a male or a female? He's a, he's a male. We have to call him Skintillus then, but yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, remember when we were kids, Carla, I don't know if he was around when you were a kid. There was a dog called Sparky the Fire Dog. Yeah, there was Sparky the Fire Dog, and then there was Sparky in the Talking Train and yep. Sparky in the Talking Piano. Yep. So between that and him being born in July, little, you know, the Sparks month, that's how he got his yep. name. Yep. There is a novel in Latin called the Satyricon, and then there's a lady, a woman, one of the one of the women in there is named Skintilla, Sparky. Yeah. That's her name. Yeah. Um, okay. Now I want to talk a little bit about the founding of Rome. Before I do, I want to talk about Livy a little tiny bit. Livy, remember, is our historian who's writing about this all. And I think I told you, he says something that I wish I had known in 10th grade. I would have quoted to my history teacher. History is a fit study for sick minds. Because <laughs> I didn't like history in 10th grade, and I would have, t- I would love to have told her that. Uh, I'm, I don't want to study something that's fit for a sick mind. But what it means, what he means when he says that is that if you are not a normal person, or if you're a, you know, if you want things you shouldn't want, or you're mentally ill, history can straighten you out. Is what he was trying to say. History can straighten you out because he says that if you look at characters in history, no matter when you look, they're all going to act the same way. And therefore, if you see a guy acting like a total moron back in the 7th century BC, if you see a guy acting like a total moron today, he's probably got a lot of the same characteristics. So they're saying history shows you the kind of things to avoid, the kind of things to ward off, the kind of things to look at, to look for. And so if you see a character who has these characteristics that you saw in 753 BC when Rome was founded, then you might want to avoid electing them as your governing officers and so forth. So that's what he really means. Now, you know, how seriously we can take that theory is a little, little, little vague because Livy didn't know any psychology or anything like that. Um, but I think on the whole, I would have to say I, I, I fall for that theory more than I don't because you know if you see people well, acting negatively, can repeat itself, right? 
history can. And I think that's what he's saying. History, mm-hmm. you see the same kind of bad character showing up over and over again in history. Uh, maybe they do even Or those that things. don't know their history are doomed to repeat it. That's good. That's that, yes. Too. Yes. Who said that? Who was the famous? Was it Churchill? No. Santiago? No, I don't think so. I, I should know that. I, I should it's know been that. quoted and requoted by several philosophers. Yeah, I should know that, though. Ways. I've taught history and I quoted that to my history student, but I cannot remember. I don't, it's not church. I don't think it's church. What's, what's the quote? I'm sorry. I can look Those it up. Those who, uh, say that again, Beth. You said it right. Learn history Those who history. don't know history are doomed to repeat it. Are doomed oh, to repeat it. Those who don't it. learn from history are. Yeah. Best Those, who, Those who are ignorant of history are doomed to repeat it. Yeah, uh, I shouldn't know who said that. Anyway, I'll find out for you next week. It's in my history book. Um, well, anyway, when we mm, question. When we left off last week, you remember that Romulus had founded Rome or the week before last, I guess it was. He had founded Rome and he had killed his brother. You remember that? You remember why he killed his brother? At least the version most people think is correct. Remember his brother leaped over the walls of Rome, making fun of them, like these little walls, nobody, they won't keep anything out. He jumped over them, and that's sort of like a sacrilege. If you let somebody jump over your walls when they're small, then an enemy might get over them when they're big. And so it's kind of like you can't let that happen. So, Rom, not that that's an excuse for killing your brother, but that's why Romulus killed him. And Romulus said, may all perish who leap over my walls. Uh, and so, well, Romulus needed to get plenty of people in Rome. And so he kind of let it be known that they would accept anyone from any city, no matter who they are or what they might've done in the previous city, he will accept them. And so he gets a lot of really scuzzy, you know, characters who may have gotten in trouble in other cities, but they left and went to Rome and they were accepted. And so he's kind of got a real ragtag mob of people uh, in Rome right now, uh, settling in Rome. But there's one little problem. They're almost all males. There are no women in Rome. So they send representatives to the nearby cities in Italy saying, would you please intermarry your daughters with us? Well, they get turned down. Everybody says, you got to be kidding us. What Would we actually (laughs) let our daughters marry you scumbags? Why would we do something like that? That would be the most ridiculous thing in the world. And so Romulus then has to think of something. You can't have a city if you're going to die in a generation. So they come up with a scheme. He sends an invitation out to all the nearby cities and says, come, we're going to put on some spectacles and games for you. We're going to put on a show for you, show you how brave and strong and you know good at athletics we Romans are. I guess you could say this is a, football game in the old days or a baseball game. We're going to, we're going to put on a sporting event for it. And so all the nearby cities come, they're curious to see this new city and they're curious about these people and they all come. And especially the Sabines, who's a city right near Rome, they especially come. And of course, this is a holiday. So they bring their daughters with them and their wives and they don't bring any weapons because after all, they're at peace. And so everybody's sitting there watching the games and cheering on. All of a sudden, Romulus gives a signal. And all the guys rush into the stands, grab a young girl, and run away with her to their huts. (laughs) Now, you can imagine their fathers couldn't do a thing. They didn't have any weapons. And plus, it was such a surprise. Uh, and it must have been quite a scene. These girls shrieking for help, and the guys lugging them away to their huts and so forth. Well, it's bad, but it's not as bad as it might seem. Uh, When the guys get the girls in their huts, they say, we're not just kidnappers or cannibals. We really want to marry you girls. We're not going to mistreat you any more than we already have. We want to marry you. We want to make you real citizens. You will have all the rights of citizens, (laughs) which one wonders how many rights did the citizens have in that ragtag bunch of people. But we'll give you all the rights of any women anywhere and uh so you know this is not just a a kidnapping it's we really want you all as our wives 
Well, that didn't help the fathers. They were ticked off royally. And so they go back and they get an army and they come back to fight against these Romans. And so they have a great big battle out where the Roman Forum is right now. They have a tremendous battle and they all get fighting. But all of a sudden, the women come rushing in to the middle of the fight and the women plant themselves between both groups and they say, please, we beg you, don't make us widows and orphans in the same day. And they, they beg their fathers to not fight and they beg their husbands not to fight. And they say, please, you know, we're happy here. We're not, you know, we're not ready to run back home. Uh, please don't fight. And so they join the two cities together. Sabines and the Romans will join together under one king, uh, under two kings. Excuse me. They're going to have a double kingdom. Romulus will be a king and a guy named Titus Tatius will be a king. Remember that poem I taught you uh, way back? Oh, tite tute tati, tibitanta tirane tulisti. Well, that's this guy, Titus Tatius. Doesn't last too long. He proves to be corrupt and they kill him. And uh, then Romulus has the kingdom all to himself again. But anyway, another thing that Romulus does during his reign, in addition to this very important step of getting his men women, is that he he gets a group of a hundred guys, uh, mostly older men that they had there, to be sort of an advisory body to him. He's the king, but he can use these guys as an advisory body. The word for old men is senes, S-E-N-E-S, and that's where we get our word senate, the mm -hmm. senate. Uh, the senate, the Romans founded this organization. They called it the senatus. We call it the senate, and it's an advisory group to advise the king, and that's mm -hmm. what it started out to be, and so it had a really important function. Um, they you know, helped Romulus make his decisions. His decisions were final, but they still had a part in it. Now, Romulus rules for a good while, but then one day a very strange thing happens. The Senate is meeting. Romulus is in there with them meeting, and there is an eclipse. Now, you know what happens during an eclipse, right? What? Wouldn't the bother sun... us at all. It wouldn't bother us at all, but it would bother most people. The sun disappears. Dark. It's It'll very, get very dark. dark. Yeah, the sun disappears. And so it got very dark in the Senate. And when the lights came back on at the end of the eclipse, Romulus was gone. Now, there are two different stories about what happened to him. The senators said that what happened was during the eclipse, they saw Romulus disappear and go up into heaven. A lot like Moses did in the Bible. They said they saw him go up into heaven, and therefore they thought that he was a god. They thought the gods took him up, and he became a god. And some people believe that. Other people think that during the eclipse, what happened was the senators all jumped on Romulus. They killed him, and they cut him up into little tiny pieces. <laughs> and each of them took a piece of him and put it under their toga. And when the Senate meeting was over, they took him out. They walked out of the Senate meeting with each of them carrying a piece of him under their toga, <laughs> took him home and buried him. And no one ever saw him again because he was cut up into pieces. So you can believe whichever version you want. I don't know which one is true, but you can believe. I sort of suspect the second one might be true, but I don't know what they would have done to get rid of all the blood. <laughs> uh, it's hard to kill a guy, cut him up and put him under your toga without dripping a little bit, mm -hmm. wouldn't you think? Mm-hmm. Maybe they had some bags with them or something, uh, some, some uh, cloth to wrap up with. Anyway, it's interesting to know, isn't it, that they wore togas even back that far. By the way, do you know what a toga is? Like a robe, right? Yep. Yep. Very long robe mm -hmm. made of white wool. It had to have been horribly uncomfortable to wear. And to wear it, you would throw it on your shoulders and like drape it over your left shoulder. And so it would kind of hang over your left shoulder. I can't imagine how they could keep it in place, but they did. And they also had a little fold in it that you would use as a pocket. So you could carry something in there too. Maybe that's where they put Romulus. I don't know. <laughs> uh, um, but these togas <laughs> must have been terrible in the summertime. Hot. This is Holly. 
My mother yes. always said that in the pictures that she saw of them, they had like some kind of a sashy looking thing around their waist and that helps it stay on. That's that is true. They could they could have a, a, a what do you call that belt? Kingulum, I think is the word. Uh, and that would help them stay on some, but it's still got to be hard to put that thing on because I don't think uh, I don't think they had. Well, I guess they had to have some kind of openings to put your arms through, but it it, it had to be a very cumbersome kind of garment. But it's like a winding uh, cloth. It's like a winding cloth. Yeah, it's like a winding cloth. Uh, and uh, so, yes, it's and they were they were wool. I had a wool suit once when I was in fourth grade and I used to <laughs> beg my mother not to make me wear it because it just itched so bad. Whenever we would have a church service or a program to go to, I had to wear that thing. And I mean, I used to dread wearing that. And this is even more woolly than that was. This is yeah, real but a toga has a lot of air going around and underneath and around it. That's true. So it's not like uh, wearing pants would be. Right. By the way, do you know that the Romans thought that anybody that wore pants was the most barbaric people <laughs> you could see? Because the people they knew that wore pants were like the Gauls and the Germans, and they thought that was just barbaric. <laughs> if they had ever seen a woman wearing slacks, I think they would have fainted. <laughs> they would have really thought that was out of hand. God. So anyway. Okay, well, anyway, that's the rape of the Sabines. And next week, we'll talk about the Horatii and the Curiatii. And uh, we'll talk about that. And by the way, if you like uh, to listen to all this a little ahead of time, Mike Duncan, I talk about him again. Mike Duncan has some podcasts that you can get on the Victor stream. If you look up Roman history, you're going to see uh, Mike Duncan's name. I think it's called the history of Rome. Actually look up the history of Rome and you'll see it. And it's, mm. uh, it's like a hundred and some podcasts mm. and they last about 15 minutes each. He does a pretty good job. I don't agree. With, he, his Latin is horrible by the way, but uh, his pronunciation is awful, mm. but um, he seems to know his stuff. And I agree with most of what he says. He's very entertaining. So he's telling these exact same stories that I am uh, pretty much. So if you like to get a little head jump on it, you could. Um, so for next hey, week, Gary, we got, yes, I have that, that quote about, if you don't know history, doomed to repeat is George, yes. George Santi on Santi Anna. He was born in 1863 and okay. he died in 1952. I was on the right. I, I mispronounced George. his name. I was on the, I said Santiago, but it is Santiana. Is it you say? Santiago. Santiago. S-A-N-T-I-A-G-A. Spanish. No one yeah, it's Spanish. I said Santiago, okay. but I, it was Santiago. You know, I, I just I was on the right track. Though. All right. Well, that's who it is then. So now we know, and it's a good quote to remember. It really is. Mm -hmm. so. And what's the um, exact quote as it is as it is written there? Yeah. What what is the exact quote there? Is it, is it he doesn't learn from history's destined to repeat it, or what is it? Yeah, I, well, I got to find it again. So, <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, we'll get it. If you can boss, find it. Oh, boss. It's seven. It's 58 after the hour. Oh, thank you. We're going to get boss. done, guys, because I went over last week a little bit. Uh, don't forget, you have your exercises at the bottom okay. of your lesson. You have your readings. Do as much as you can, much as you feel like, and we'll come back next week with another one. See you later, Holly. Thank you. Thank you so much for doing thank you. all of you. You're welcome. You're I welcome. may come back because this is really interesting. Oh, good. No, please. We welcome you. We welcome you. 